0: Turn around Every now and then I get a little bit Welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host Christina. We're back to discuss if another episode, the need need fifth in the miniseries, The Fall of the House of Usher. The Telltale Heart was written by Danny Parker, directed be by be Mike Flanagan. I like this episode, not as strong as the previous, but... It certainly ended with quite the tragedy. And I think that it bookended the storyline of Victorine perfectly. But it did slog a little bit in a few places that took down the score a little bit. But still another strong one. Give it a 9.3 out of 10. I love the directing in this episode. It just took some time really fleshing out the weight of the guilt that is falling on Roderick's actions and that he is actually in a far more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Reconciliation with the truth than even Madeline at this stage. And he desperately thinks that he can walk back what has already been put in motion and he has the chance to to uh that we'll get into make a decision that ultimately reflects on why he has evolved down the path that he's evolved on before we jump into the review, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever good podcasts can be found, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. If you want to send feedback, couch at gmail.com. And let's get into it. Let's start with, because Roderick and I think Victorine were the two, spotlights of the episode i mean roderick continues to be but much more of a heavier heavier focus there emotionally i think so we're gonna start with the meeting after the funeral between the children because that will spin us off into froderick as well as tamerlane because they all get together at the request of Victorine, who thinks, due to the recent events of the loss of the little ones, she even reflects on the time that she sh- that they had showed up, and that they chased this this uh, fame and notoriety and drugs, all to fill this void left by their father. And it's Tamerlane who points out that that void is within you as well but furthermore it it it's also between me and my brother despite victorine's emotions on how they were the more respectable ones uh but she thinks that they should you know this should be the time that they should pull together and she's right it should be
1: you guys
0: suck however they're not that type of people and they simply cannot despite the deaths of the three youngest amongst them can, um, can overcome what their father has created between them. Despite Tamerlan saying our father is who he is. And I think she told a lot of truths, but there's also one she's avoiding that they're all really avoiding because they're just too broken. And it continues to to iron out what inevitably is their fates due to partially the choices that they could not accept or they could not, um, the road they could not turn about. They, they could not evolve from what Roderick has turned them into. And that's sad and tragic because that's the thing. There's the reason and there's the excuse. I bring it up all the time. (laughs) Or the reason isn't the excuse. You know, because there are a lot of people in the world that go through serious, seriously traumatic shit. And they don't all become serial killers. They don't all go out to viciously hurt people. They're not all criminals. So you cannot... Yes, there are some characteristics that certainly follow a trend of those type of people that do become serial killers, so on and so forth, but it's not a given. And it is your responsibility as a person to choose otherwise to get help. No one says you have to do it on your own, but you have to decide that that is what you're going to do and if you can't do it on your own you have to have someone else there to assist you that's still on you you can't just put up a hat that's the excuse you know put up your hands oh but my mama and my daddy did yeah okay i'm not saying that there's not empathy there and it doesn't explain quite a few things but you are given the gift of of um cognition. And thus, (laughs) and most people are innately given, unless you really are fucked up with brain chemistry, which is why they consider it mental health. Most are innately ingrained with the, the right and wrong. And despite what the newsreels would love you to believe, the world isn't full of murderers. Actually, there are less people in prison for murder than they are for theft so it's not like we are in a world of psychopaths that all end up doing things like (laughs) the crimes in which uh harm other people sometimes they just run for president it's political bullshit and win let's just keep it real So from that meeting, we learned, too, that they all have been assigned bodyguards by Madeline. That's something we, I want to put a pen in later, that it's Madeline and not Roderick, who has the forethought to think about their protection. What else did I want to bring up in this scene? Oh, some of the dialogue from... Roderick is hilarious, <laughs> trying to fill the dad hole. He just can't get over that that word. His very conservative viewpoint, despite the hypocrisy in it, as he snorts cocaine, <laughs> is why Maury's deception has run completely a foul in his mind of his complete perception of his world and it's breaking down around him and because he is the type that is so easily full of the the snobbish airs the idea that he would be the cuckold in any situation with perry of all people i did go back and watch the episode of Perry's and I do think Perry's last wish did come true because he says for the rest of your fucking life I'm gonna own you and he ends up doing just that it's the thought of more than the action that has driven him to obsessiveness and that obsessiveness has led him down a very very dark path but neither he or, even though he's the first to say she's right, we should be the ones that decide to put put our beefs aside to, to support each other. Because as Victorine says, the only threat to the ushers are the ushers. They simply... They simply cannot come to terms with the bickering differences that is the chip on their shoulder from said dad hole. (laughs) He did also say, um, because, uh, Tamerlan said, I'm not going to let that guy inside my house or something to the effect. And he's like, all right, the hookers. (laughs) That just made me laugh. And this conversation devolves very quickly. Victorine talking about how her mother was a single mom. She was a nurse. How she could have had really a different trajectory in life. Fame versus, versus helping people. The distinction. I think she lives in very much a cognitive dissonance. Because let's be real, single black women who get into the nursing field have a very high success rate of raising their particularly female offspring. Having the last name Usher actually really was a catalyst to any life alternative life she could have had. Because it was bound to the, the what's the word? The stain, as it were, that and the curse that comes with the line. Wow, and just to be born into that, that's pretty crazy to think about. But then you also have Tamerlin and I want to call her Tammy. Tammy and Froderick both being like yeah well while certainly it would seem as if we're the golden children because he married our mother Annabelle not only was she a great mom that cannot be replaced so what happened to her is the question but additionally just because we were in the same house with the man does not mean he was with us So he was very much an absentee father and due to this, his son ended up being de facto heir, not based on any merits, but because he's the first born. So he's naturally the softest of the bunch because he's never had to make any attempt because whatever happened, yeah, 1980, he grew up into that. So, there goes his um, diminished capacity, which is karmic. Then you have Tamerlan, who is so divorced from reality, she can only view it through the lens of uh, removal. So after after it feels as if Because then they go back and forth. Well, Camille died due to something with your monkeys. And she's like, do you not know the difference between monkeys and apes? And I wanted to, I wanted to just clap when she said that. Because that really pisses me off. And I recently had that conversation with my mother. Where she actually, her and my aunt, asked me to explain the theory of evolution. Like they really was going to listen to it without that skeptical... Look and laughing at me and then the first thing my mom says all the time oh okay tell me how we came from monkeys and I'm like no one fucking ever said that and you just keep repeating it because honestly that shows your fucking uneducation that you don't know the difference between a fucking monkey and ape. okay you genuinely don't know so um <laughs> but no I didn't say that because I am a kinder and <laughs> more intelligent person. I'm not going to just, you know, sit there and I even gave up. I didn't even get mad. That's how evolved I become. I kind of patted myself on the back. Didn't even get mad. I was like, it, this it is what it fuck it is at this point. I, I'm, I'm not going to take it personal. <laughs> I already know my crowd. I already know my crowd back to what happens after this conversation this is where we kind of split off i think from the funeral we'll track back a little bit when we get to roderick's bit but from here i think let's talk about froderick first because he has been mulling over one thing with the increasing amount of dead bodies because one how he's always felt is those bastards with the estate and now as far as he's probably concerned in his mind now there's less competition and I am closer to being good enough also I want to make my wife pay for the indiscretion that I have been simply probably not even getting sleep on reliving in my mind oh, 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 okay remember okay, and mercy yo chick she so thirsty i'm in that 2c lambo with your girl she trying to jerk me remember king mercy yo chick she so thirsty i'm in that 2c lambo with your girl she trying to jerk me okay. now let's talk about morris decision making it wasn't great it was not was she just a person that felt bored in the moment and she was offered something that to some people might find attractive? Quite frankly, an orgy with 30 people and it being wet, that does not, uh-uh, not after COVID. You got like fucked up if you think that is at all appealing to me. But for her, she's probably never even stopped. If you think about the type of person that Roderick, Froderick is... And the woman he would go after and her little cakes thing. We're talking about a certain type of woman, right? And so she's probably never been tempted on that level. And here she gets offered that. And she thinks it'll just be a little harmless, harmless fun. And when she got there, she certainly committed to that idea despite having second thoughts. This is what happens when you don't listen to your gut or the woman whispering in your ear that tells you to fucking go now. And here she is. The consequence of that action is the fact that she almost died. She almost left her daughter an orphan. Yes, the dissolving of her marriage because of this... Distrust of her actions certainly warrant a feeling of betrayal from Frederick as a person, but I think the consequence of her actions that night certainly end with the fact that she is going to need months and months of skin grafts of therapy. She's going to have to go through hell before she can see sunlight again. And that is something she has to live with, not to mention watching that whole entire tragedy unfold, the sight, the smells, you're never going to get that trauma out of your head. Anything past that, besides he wanting to offer some divorce papers, is unacceptable in any capacity. His anger uh, leads him to go against the doctor's advice. He's decided he's going to take her home. You see how he digs deep into his lineage in the way Leo did, but differently in a more autothetorian. authoritarian voice because he also doesn't have the others around him really keeping an eye because they're all distracted on other things so he's able to make this decision because no one else is there to counter it because i feel as if anyone was paying attention to Frederick then they would be concerned about him wanting to have his wife released. Not even in the intensive care unit for a week or so. Yeah, only a week. You're supposed to even be there 40 days. And he says, oh, I got a place set up for her. And it looks absolutely insignificant and not sufficient. And then he tells the doctor, if you're lucky, I'll hire you on. And it's another side of Frederick we haven't seen. And you know, that's something he watched his father do a million times. Uh, And then he has the creepiest conversation ever with his daughter, poor Eleanor, who brings her mother a plant instead of another bouquet of flowers. Because as she points out, It's more therapeutic to watch something grow than to watch something die. And I never even thought about that. And now we'll never bring anyone. Not that I was in the habit of bringing people bouquets of flowers anyway, but that, that makes for um, some mind altering decisions when it comes to my, (laughs) when it comes to my gift giving, when I go for nature, you just start giving people plants. So so from this, he has his daughter, when she asks what to do with the press, he tells her to listen to him. She finds that rather gross. I'm not a puppet piece. I'm not a mouthpiece. I'm not just going to be told something. And he think he's going to have her sit on the bed and offer some great advice, but he tells her, "Look, you can't trust anybody. We can't even trust your mother. Look how she lied to us in our face." I'm upset. But he tells her, "I had a bullet mailed to me with my name on it, and people are going to do this to you. Not now cuz you're still young, but eventually." And the how to deal with the stress and trauma of that cuz that is fucked up in itself and people are like that I have no doubt because there's nothing but an unempathetic I mean even when I try to get my friends sometimes to be like uh yeah but maybe that I don't give a fuck he's rich he could he could have easily did this this that and the other thing like okay (laughs) we we we're in two different realities and while yes having resources to be able to access certain therapies that one can only imagine it doesn't at all negate the idea the that their life is somehow easy due to that those resources that they have to do with things deal with things that you don't no one's gonna come and 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 um, like they don't even leave me hate mail on my YouTube thank you please don't do that or on my podcast because thank god I'm not even that popular enough but if I ever were you best believe people would do it for no other reason than you're popular that's just trolls come out of the woodwork I don't know what it is with those people and the more popular you are or the more they you feel they offended you, the more vicious and violent it becomes on a level that should put so many people in jail to be quite frank. <laughs> we need to start convicting some of these motherfuckers if we can get the IP addresses, Is you cannot make certain. I know we got freedom of speech and all that, but some of it is just, it's, it's, it's beyond. And now it's so easy for those people to find other accounts and, or to renew other accounts and, and all that. It's just, it's, it's a mess. So you, you hear about something that explains why Froderick is the way he is, why he's so um, malleable to whatever Pym says, because I don't want to have to think for myself Because if I have to do, all those bad feelings are going to come with that. And I would rather live in the bubble that is created for me because that bubble is safe. And I don't have to worry about anything except do my part. So he tries to pass that to his child, thinking that will assault her fears. She apologizes, but she's also, you can see, conflicted about that and just really wanting her mom to come home. She was asking her all those questions and he says she's not an eight ball. <laughs> like, did you miss me? This, that, the other thing, cause she could blink her eyes. So yeah, that scene was cringe worthy in the fathering department. And we definitely get a good idea of what Frederick intends as when she leaves, he says, we almost got her. What did he say? Hey! Oh. Hey. Let's talk about our girl, Tamerlane, Tamerlane. Uh, there's not much that happens with her other than she and Bill break up over his concern about her health. She, she is trying to fill her dad hole as she so aptly puts it with the Goldbug Project. As things continue to, to crumble around her, she becomes even more and more fixated, making decisions she doesn't remember, hearing voices that aren't there. She goes out in the hallway and like, do you got a girlfriend out there? And he's like, why the fuck would I have a girlfriend when I'm supposed to be on duty? Because that's not going to help me in this job. And I think I can hold my dick in my pants for the eight hours in which I'm required until the next shift. So I need you to shut the door and stop being a paranoid bitch. But she falls asleep in the middle of an argument with Bill. He's concerned about her decision making, but more, more about her actual health. But she doesn't care about that. She lashes out calls him, uh, basically one of two people that she could have picked. He says, it's our brand. She's like, it's my money. It's my brand. You're just the face of it. After much hurtful words, she ends up kicking him out and their relationship is over. This is also self-destructive behavior, but he said she hasn't slept in so long. It's nightmarish. So kind of like with Leo, they begin to go into the forgot because I had those words written down last week. (laughs) And so she, she has also concocted this idea that he's having sex with the hooker girl because she can't get it out of her head. And she brings up several instances in which she was spying on him, but it turns out that she was just seeing herself, but because she's so a sleep deprived uh, and B has been living her life through a disconnection. She can't now she's forever separated from her logic and her emotion that she's absolutely now looking from the outside in and the mirroring effect is pretty spot on with the mirror behind her in the bed. And I saw she had one, one up. (laughs) So what kind of freaky shit you doing? But then I I realized, oh, you know, that, that tracks. That absolutely tracks let's get over to Madeline. Madeline, she finally has a conversation with her brother. Pim is there. At the funeral, she points out the mothers of the deceased before going to see Victorine. And while she says I'm doing it just to check up on the ducklings, it's also to check in on the heart surgery. And she says it's going to be for a very special patient. You'll be surprised. And if she was in her right mind, she should have easily picked up on who this heart mesh is for and what the rush uh, actually means. But that's another... Another tactic of the twins, both Roderick and Madeline, is that they go in when they really need something with the soft touch first, then come in with the ask. She assures her that they're ready for the trials before asking if she hears that noise because Victorine, this entire episode, is haunted by her actions that are resurfacing in the form of the sound that the heart mesh makes and it was quite the uh, annoying sound I must say (laughs) so Madeline then goes to her brother once or talks with her brother and confronts him once Pim brings out all the evidence of the same woman at every crime scene Roderick tries to say, I know you ain't trying to indicate that magic is involved. But no, Madeline thinks this is just another one of his bastards that are trying to eliminate everyone from the gene pool so that they could be the heir. Because that story, that fiction, that reality is something she can confront. Everything else she can't nor is the acknowledgement of what happened is happening. She's not allowing for that because that means you have to accept your blame in what is happening, which is the death of people who did not ask to be born. And when they were, were condemned by no fault of their own. So Madeline gets Pim to go after this person, says, I want her eyes. That will be the receipt because she's that type of cutthroat bitch. And also the reaction from Pim was the LOL moment of the episode. She's like, actually, I was going to say, my brother has a pension for bartenders. And maybe 30 years ago, he was hot for one of them. He said, "Tell me everything." Oh, put me in I'm ready to play Which leads us into Roderick perfectly because he is not at all fooled. He's finally gotten over the the, the denial phase, maybe because they're his children, <laughs> and he's got more still to go at the funeral. He sees their deceased corpses. He's also dealing with catacels. So he's also got, he's got the the dementia fucking with him. He looks back and he sees the Joker costume. He doesn't talk to the, the mothers. He just grabs Juno's arm. I love that Perry's just right in front of his face. Like, yeah, no, you gon' look at me. Look at what you did. Which, fair, because the other two, I feel as if their actions directly contributed more so than the rest, even though he didn't test the water and he didn't listen about the, okay, what am I saying? (laughs) Definitely had a hand in that. that. That doesn't even track. I can't hold that up. In court, your honor. So moving on. Yeah, he goes right past the the mother of his children. He probably never even saw them again. He probably sent nothing but attorneys to to handle his children being put in a certain school, given certain things, did everything in his power probably to eliminate any bond between them because he's that type of person. Like, they're my kids. It's my DNA that matters more so than whatever... DNA that that also made you (laughs) he mentions Egypt because there's a really great scene where he's monologuing about the many ways in which he while talking to the wall where I think the Joker actually is aka Rufus that He could just kill himself and end it. But he's too much of a coward to do so. He's not brave, as he says. I'm not a hero. I'm not a good person, ultimately. So not so much so that I can't even sacrifice myself to save the rest of my children. Which is very low, because even the lowest person would do that, (laughs) It's like if if even that one person like will kill everyone else, but he still loved his mom. uh, If they showed any type of inclination of love back to them. But no, no, he doesn't take the drug. That would be easy. What what was the reason why he said he didn't take the drug? Oh, it would be damaging for the company. (laughs) Fair enough. No one said you had to take ligodone. Then he contemplates taking a sword, a type of Egyptian sword to the gut. And as I was trying to talk about previously about Egypt is the, the, the connection with the twins, because in Egyptian culture, if I recall correctly, because yeah, that was the whole thing about Mark Anthony and Cleopatra's twins, why they actually took them because twins were considered... Like a good omen. And Mark Anthony actually wasn't gonna claim his children by Cleopatra until he realized they were twins. Just FYI. He's not trying to get that DNA test <laughs> and declare himself the father. Even though everyone knew he was, he's like, shit, I don't mean I gotta legitimize them. But I digress. It seems to be a part of the mythos of their legacy that they are royalty, something that Roderick Froderick tells his daughter, which what the fuck, <laughs> but they, they, it is very much in in reminder of the G- Egyptian pharaohs and kings and queens later on that they are divinely chosen by God to rule man. I mean, they're living on a whole nother level of, Of a, of power and power tripping. So he thinks I'll just go out like an Egyptian warrior. Then he says, let me go out of the window. I'll even get some breeze. There's nothing like some good wind in your hair before you die. I love the way the room leveled down. That was awesome. Uh, But he can't do it. He just refuses to do so and ends up going to victorines instead let's cut it off right there and go back to his conversation with dupin don't know what what to do now. Guess I he wants to know what happened New Year's nineteen eighty because he knows that he and Madeline did something. He wants to know who the informant is, and it turns out there was no informant. I think that's something that Mimi brought up and Shy, but that that was a play, and he played his card, and now he he begins to to think possibly his decision to have the family turn on each other could have led to their inevitable um not inevitable their demise and there's a moment and I like that this continues to happen that every time Roderick thinks to posture into the Rufus version of himself by even allowing dupont to think that and go oh yeah you know you got off your your pedestal you think you're so holier than thou and yet here you told a falsehood granted it was a white lie but because he is such a man of honor the idea that he could have possibly chipped at it just a bit he's gleefully uh rolling in that because as pointed out earlier in the season he really really wants to put him down on the same pedestal as him because if that's the case then I can't judge myself so hard uh when this is the idol on the other side of so as long as he's no better than me then we're good then I'm I don't have to feel the guilt of being who I am this wasn't the same back in the day We have a feeling things somehow go awry and it's Madeline's fault. (laughs) Annabelle, Madeline, uh, DuPont, and Roderick have teamed together to find the hard copy files before the transition into the digital computer because Madeline shows up at Rufus's office and says that she runs a computer technology company. And she confirms that they are doing some demolition work and that they intend to bring computers in, but he automatically drags her for filth. And I think it's at that moment, whatever they decided to do, they was gonna do. <laughs> they were gonna add a homicide to it. I think taking him down would have probably been the original course. But then when he read her in that room and said, I know your mother, I know she sat out there. I know she was a full service secretary. Oh, no. In that moment, Madeline knew. I'm going to murder you. I'm going to come into your house one night while you're asleep. I'm going to cut your throat. This isn't a joke. You're going to die. Walking away, though, Madeline says or not walking away, once she's in the kitchen, she writes him off like, oh, I wanted to see what kind of man he is, but he's not smart. Annabelle says a really valid point, valid line, is that you don't have to be smart to be dangerous. I'm not scared of rattlesnakes because they're so smart. But you got Dupont over there being like, well, he does underestimate both of you, and that's something that we can work with. Because underestimation is a failure of the imagination on his part that they would think to cross both of them. What was the line he gave her to? What's the thing first? It's like, she, you can ask me anything. What do you like for breakfast in the morning? What do you like to eat for breakfast? I'm disrespectful as the fuck. Let's be real women. In a different scenario, in a different script, that would be considered sexy to some. And that is the the white feminist shit that be pissing me off. <laughs> How dare he talk to me like this? But if he was, you know, if this was Fifty Shades of Grey time <laughs> and I was into being talked like that, talked to like that, maybe he was like, oh, I thought you was into that too. You had this strong woman vibe. No, uh, he really did want to debase her in that moment and he succeeded. I think he did. He got the fuck up underneath her skin. Uh, and they decided they're going to get their hands on those records, despite the fact that Annabelle feels very uneasy about it. Roderick seems to do everything that Madeline says, even down to his Egyptian love of the culture. It's something that very much Madeline was into at the bar with Verna, she's over there dancing. He's contemplating the bad omen of Ravens because what they've done this night is uh, a crime because they get really spooked when they see the the 5-0. And she... Verna tells him that in some cultures, the raven is a sign of good luck and fortune and that his his fault lines on his hand uh, predict that his path is going to change this very night. Sister comes over, tells him to go dance. He really doesn't want to, but she doesn't care what he wants and off he goes. And this is the dynamic between them that I think allowed him to uh to sacrifice what he sacrificed because he could not the idolization that he has for his sister and the the continuation of strong women in his life just contribute to falling behind the one who has the the firmest stance And Annabelle is just simply not committed. She loves him, but she's not going to fight for that love. And I think she is a representation of Allie in this episode, who says, you're not who I thought you were. I think that in the past, Annabelle is going to discover that Roderick is not who she thinks that he is despite their their um their outwardly altruistic goal points in life because in the past he says i want to change the world he truly believes that he truly thinks after watching his mother suffer that he can heal suffering in the world somehow if it's of course using this company and the medical care to do that whereas we find out when Madeline talks to Verna I love how she was close to her at one point and then she turned back around and she was even closer uh, that her goal is not her brother's goal because she comes over and she says what's your New Year's resolution you already know my brother told you well he you don't seem strike me as the type or she says that doesn't like He doesn't talk for me and she gives a great line. You seem like a queen without a crown and that disarms her completely. And she admits that say she gets rich because she doesn't want to be famous. The two things she wants is to never have or never allow a man to have control over her. And her brother at the end of the day is a man which is why she very much controls him. And it's an emotional, but also biological manipulation. Like she even says he wouldn't eat birthday cake if I didn't tell him to. And this is ingrained. And I think from the time, from the time that they were children, because they were sharing the same bed which is odd for the ages that they were, because they were certainly teenagers. Additionally, going back to the Egyptian thing and royalty, they pretty much fucked their sister. So <laughs> take what you will with that. But I think that they're definitely playing with that concept between brother and sister. So hearing that that's what she wants, in addition to figuring out how to live forever, the new year is rung in. Verna gives her a kiss. And then we have Roderick going to Victorine's house, which leads us to discuss the last bit. Let me make sure I'm glancing at a few lines I wrote down because I didn't write too many notes. Uh, Kevin Costner in the hallway how did you get past him that was a good line when he tells Augie oh yeah that's what I was saying with Roderick when he tries to to revert back to himself one of his children shows up to remind him of the consequence of what it meant to be that person and he's back humbled and in that moment as Augie is preparing to take the L Uh, bear the weight and the guilt of that it's victorine who shows up bleeding from her chest and he says no you can let let that go that's not on you the mind of guilt is full of scorpions i wouldn't wish their sting on anyone annabelle is also seen as this angelic person by the by the twins i think i brought that up before uh Oh, I forgot to bring up Tamberlin's apology. I'm sorry, Dad's dad. <laughs> he jumped off our mother into a sea of strange pussy was a great line. <laughs> Do you think the bounty's still on the table? Not with all the dead people and stuff that he had to tell you that tamberlane is a shame because we're not talking about the smartest person in the room and even he knew so victorine it starts with her she gets effectively rejected or allows herself to feel rejected by the other two remaining family members that she's been jealous of because he didn't marry her mom and juno really doesn't count as far as everyone's concerned particularly tamberlane and she thinks about the struggles that she had to go through her mom had to go through really, and how she probably is overcompensating for that, wanting to honor her, but also being caught up in the competition of earning her father's, not trust, but the most successful of her children that could do something that fits within the goal that he had all that long time ago which is to change the world and a heart mesh to help people in the future truly does sound like something that would in fact help the world and for the greater good so yeah he has a lot more pressure on her and threatens the you know, with the other fan or pits the other family members against her when he needs her to perform under his direction, which is what Madeline does as well. And so she says she's going over the top, which is that whole conversation convinces her to do so. She goes to Allie. Allie finds out about the surgery. She's not happy. Then she finds out that she's been forging her signature on documents that would put her in prison. And she's not okay with that. No one would be. She is unable to emotionally manipulate her, like, you know, like your dad does. Then she just throws it out there. Don't be fucking naive. Uh, Oh, actually, she says, don't be a fucking child. If he says he wants the trial, he's going to get the trial. What did you think that $200 million just fell in your lap for? Yet you don't know that your dad needs the heart mesh. Allie, she, uh, and you saw her priority, right? Like, what do you mean we're done? Do you mean us? That I can live with the project. No, you're going to have to keep your mouth shut. She brings up the NDA and I will say Allie. This reminded me the, of the scene in Barry between Hank and Cristobal. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the same thing about Allie. Like, girl, sometimes just shut the fuck up and get out the door. Shut the fuck up and get out the door. Weigh your options, get your protection, realize who you're dealing with and stop putting yourself out there to be taken out of the equation. Are you going to tell anyone? Yeah, I'm going to tell everybody. No, that's not the answer that you give in that moment. You de-escalate it. You know what? I do need to think about it. I do need to consider things. If this person in front of you really is the person that you really don't know, then that means I'm in a room with a fucking stranger. I need to consider myself. (laughs) But no, she was not smart. And we get a cutaway. To what happened the entire episode Victorine's calling her leaving her messages going from groveling to simply making the demands like I love you but do I really love you I think she did love her but because you have that cognitive dissonance between who she could have been and what she wants to be versus what she has been molded to become shows very well in that scene when she calls her by saying i love nope whatever you fucking what just name it then she is continuously drawn drawn gone <laughs> crazy over the mess sound dad shows up she's listening to music all uh hazzled and frazzled especially after she, she ripped her office apart verna did visit her And I'm not sure about Verna's read. I will say I'm having the hardest time. Like, I feel like I'm doing more of an analytical idea of what I think Victorine is doing that doesn't line up with what Verna says that's been shown in the show, which is, she goes like, animals know when to stay away from certain types of people because they're just you know, they're predators. I just didn't, I never got that inclination from victorine in the show. I always got, because they even had that scene of where no one's looking, no one's around, that she does feel things. She's only probably the second character we've even seen cry over the events that has been happening. So I feel as if getting even more of what her backstory was and the age gap between the others. I can certainly see it fits to me better that she is someone that was absolutely split from one path, ended up on another and then tried to make both work and it was never going to work. And she was disillusioning herself. Um, and trying to play two different parts and neither were absolutely authentic. If that made any sense, <laughs> I don't feel like it made a whole bunch. Nice touch with total eclipse of the heart, um, as they're having their breakup, that was rough, rough, uh, having her death rattle. Cause she's talking to her dad and then she starts to recall what happened when she sees Allie in the background. She ended up throwing, I don't know, was it a paperweight? I have no idea, it doesn't matter, it was hard enough to cause brain damage and a lot of hemorrhaging all over the floor. The one dude knocked on the door and he's like, she's like, fuck off, a woman's eating another woman out. I was like, no, not not when she's deaf rattling, that's a whole nother, that you could even come up with that as the excuse. Come on, man sidebar i loved her fashion this entire season she had a very masculine look with very feminine uh jewelry but yeah i loved her oh i remember now then she goes into the room because dad's like what's that smell (laughs) and they both can hear it because yeah there's Allie, and she had tried to bring her back to life by using the heart mesh because despite her last words saying this is your fault you said you were gonna talk she didn't want her to die it's that 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 mind breaking that mind shattering and then we talk about guilt and how how it festers in the mind that very much is what happened to Victorine even to the point where she thought she was alive for a second like, I've been calling you all day. Don't take that tone with me. Dad horrified. It's like, I, I think she's dead, babe. I think she's dead. His first words were, you're fully funded. <laughs> but then she grabs the knife. And you had that moment of Verna encompassing her. And saying, you know, you could have stopped this if you weren't so selfish. If you had just jumped out of that building. And since there's no way. Victorine would have known that. It had to be Verna taking over. And she ends up having her stab herself. And her last words are daddy. Not dad. But dad. It's like it's, there's something about the Y. <laughs> the extra D and Y. M and Y. That is very reminiscent of an infant so that to be the last words as he watches his daughter kill herself yeah i don't think Roderick's gonna be <laughs> like he's he's not great but because he's also got to de- de- fucking around with him but now i think this is going to totally i think he's not gonna to slow roll what exactly is happening. Like, this is my come-ups and it's come-up in sin. Is he still going to try to fight it? I think so. Just because to give up, I don't think it's part of who they are. And he had that moment of, could I do this? It's just going to fall further into the the insanity part of it all. But he's going to have to definitely have a confrontation with his sister because she too is focused on the here and now and not taking any acknowledgement responsibility for what is happening with the the children as they are so there there i think we have it for the episode uh great acting all around as always i am trying to or i do have a playlist anyway uh to go through of all the edgar Allan poe references because i'm sure they're ones i'm not referencing because i don't know them so if that's the case you're like well, why didn't she mention this that that's why I'm not an expert, not even a little bit. We do have feedback, so maybe we will get. I don't, actually, is uh, no, I think Mimi does know some more Edgar Allan Poe. I think more than I do. So maybe you'll get, we'll get some some knowledge there. Let's hop into the mailbag. <laughs>
1: What up, Stina? This is Mimi. This is feedback for uh, Fall of the House of Usher, Episode 5. Um, this episode was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. It had a turn that I kind of wasn't expecting. Um, the thing I love the most about it is when um, uh, Victorine threw that little statue or whatever at her um, girlfriend, doctor. I was like, oh, my God, is she going to hit her? And then, you know, nothing came from it. So I completely forgot that that was my train of thought, that she hit her girlfriend with uh, that little statue. Because I was like, oh, my God, she's going to hit her in the head and she's going to bleed out. And it's like, that's not like that's not what the storyline showed. Like, it didn't happen. Like, they just kept, you know, going through the motions and then you know we would hear that little weird noise and we're trying to figure out where it's coming from I'm like oh she's losing her mind and it turns out her mind was lost from straight jump like it was that's what i like about this it's like nothing is is expected the way that you think like things keep happening and you think you know what's happening and what's following and you really don't um with the case with Victorine she you know was trying to go to actual human trials she found that woman that we know is the the sorceress behind all of these shenanigans and she like forged signatures and her girlfriend was like how'd you get this to move so fast he was like you know did you forge my signature and she was like oh this is some bullshit like I'm out I'm not doing this sh- shit no more and Victorine really let uh lived up to her name being an usher and she was like you know this is how it's done like don't pretend like you don't know and if you don't follow through I'm gonna ruin you and she was like bitch do what you need to do because you're not fucking dragging my name through the mud it's like that paperwork that I signed doesn't um you know, the, uh, D what is it called? The D and D the, I forget what those paperworks are called, but like the things you're, you're not allowed to, to, to say. And I, I can't, I'm not a lawyer, but I remember watching judge Judy, something like that. And I think it was actually judge Mathis and this, it was about this lady who, um, had a contract. She, she, let her like she had like three kids four kids something like that and she was dating this guy and i don't know exactly what her situation was if she was working or not but she let him claim two of her kids on her taxes on his taxes two of her kids on his taxes and uh he didn't give her the money he promised her like so he got back like six thousand dollars and he was supposed to give her half of it but he didn't give her anything, and then she had some kind of contract or something saying that he was going to give her half the money. And Judge Mathis, I'm pretty sure it was it was either Judge Million or Judge Mathis. It doesn't matter. One of the judges was like, "Well, yes, you had a contract, but contracts don't work if it's against if stuff is is written under the guise of something illegal, like you having him file." taxes using your kids even though he's not supporting them the kids don't live with him is fraud that's illegal so this contract is null and void so the only reason i bring that up is because victorine the doctor was telling victorine it's like that doesn't apply to stuff that's illegal she was like yes it does you should have read it and i was like i don't think that's how the law works like you can't put something in writing that's illegal and it's binding like so it's like you could do some illegal shit with my name and I just gotta be quiet about it. I don't think so. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't be hard it wouldn't be hard for her to to, you know, go to court with it, but I mean, if she's willing to fight and she has the money to back it up, I don't, I I can't say she would have lost. At this point it doesn't matter, but like that's why I said that doctor's an idiot for signing that shit and it's like Either sign it now or we're done. Well, I'm just we just can't be in a relationship because you're not gonna force me to sign something. I don't know what I'm signing, and ain't no relationship worth that. And that's the lesson she should have learned at that dinner. Like anybody who puts a contract in front of you, that's sick as fuck. And it's like you, if you want to date my my daughter, you gotta sign this. Okay, well I need to have I need to look it over first. I know you sign it now. Um, no, that's not gonna happen. And I said that in season or episode one, like you, you're not going to bully me into signing something you and this family can go fuck yourself and no offense to anybody in the Usher family, but ain't, I don't give a shit how much money you got. you not, I don't, I don't want to be in a relationship with someone where you're blackballing me into signing something. And I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how fine you are. Absolutely not. And I, I, do feel like the doctor has probably felt obligated because she's doing this research. It's the research she wants to do. She's getting the funding that she needs billions of dollars. So she probably felt obligated, which is fine. But you do stupid things and stupid shit happen. Like, this is the consequence you get for fucking with that family. Like, not everybody is crazy. If everybody is pointing a finger at this family and saying they're evil you have to at some point acknowledge that someone has to be possibly telling the truth. And anybody with any common sense should know that if someone has that much money, you didn't get that much money by being a morally um, incorrupt person. Like, ain't no way. There's absolutely there's a there's a point in level of wealth that I feel like you either is you're not paying attention. You're looking the other way or you're actively participating in some fucked up shit um you didn't get that much money being a good person and I stand on that I say that all the time I don't care if we're talking about actors I don't care if we're talking about celebrities I don't uh singers entertainers I don't care if we're talking about multi-billion dollar anthropist uh, what is it called philanthropist no you didn't make that million that billion dollars being a good person absolutely no way I can't prove that but that's what I stand on So she she got consequences that aren't surprising. I feel bad for the doctor because she wanted to do the right thing. But you also put yourself in a position to where you were with some fucked up ass people and some fucked up shit happened to you. Um, And I'm sure. um, Well, you know, Victorine's dad is like telling um, everybody like he's telling the truth. So, I mean, at some point, you know, the truth will come out. But I, I honestly think that he poisoned himself or he's like knows that he's about to die. Something is happening right now. That's why he's doing the confession, because he's going to die pretty soon. Um, but the whole like reveal of what Victorine did with like, you know, the the sound, the ticking sound, uh, the music being loud and her dad was like, you know, I, I need you to turn the music down and then they followed the sound and then she's like, Oh my God, I remember now and then we saw that she did throw that thing and it hit um her girlfriend in the head and her girlfriend um was bleeding and she like the 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 guard that was following her could have helped her but she sat there and let her bleed out and then she ended up putting that mechanical heart in her body like that shit is what got me I was not expecting that at all it was I was shook not gonna lie it was unexpected very cool but very very unexpected (laughs) I I think this is probably one of my favorite episodes so far I do like what happened with um Prospero Perry like that shit was disgusting and so unexpected but this one took a turn that I was not expecting at all Victorine straight up lost her mind like she killed her girlfriend and her brain fucking just clocked out it was amazing from top to bottom and then to find out that she killed herself right in front of her dad this motherfucker getting some karma um i know some other shit happened but that that was my favorite part of the the episode so that's the part i remember i did watch this last week and I was going to click on episode six and I realized I never sent feedback. So that's why I'm sending it now. Hope you enjoyed your Jamaican vacation. And I hope you are going to do a Jones Chronicles about it so I can live vicariously. Um, I've been watching the pictures, seeing the videos. Look like you're having the best time of your life. I'm not jealous at all. Not jealous at all. I'm not jealous that it's cold as fuck here and I got my winter gloves and jacket on. Nobody else does, but when it gets like 40 degrees, I would say like 50, 50 below, 50 or below, I'm cold, so I'm not jealous that it's cold here, and uh, you walk around in bikinis and whatnot, I'm not jealous, I'm not jealous at all, Um, hope you had a great time, can't wait to hear about it, um, until next time, love, peace, Harry, the Black Girl Magic, Queen of the Couch Mimi, out. Thank you, Queen
0: Mimi, for your thoughts on the episode. I'm glad you enjoyed this one. That was the big twist of like when I saw the dude, the cutaway, I didn't know she, I was like, nah, she did. She, 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 she absolutely struck her in the head with that object. That she was being haunted by the sound of the mesh that she tried to insert into her chest because she just went absolutely bonkers. In the aftermath of her crime, which you know that's uh, at least she has a conscious to break. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, oh, oh my, oh my, oh my. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that coming whatsoever. Um, I will say uh, you didn't watch. You never watched Barry. But in that show, there's a similar crisis of conscience. It's not even so much. It's the same situation where it's like, why are we doing this right now? Why are we do, like, take a step back, understand that this person has money, power, likely got away with crimes because she just told you as much. And their lawyer is called the Pim Reaper. In Victorine's mind... There is no other alternative. These, this is what these people do. Despite herself trying to extricate herself from being considered part of the same the same rot from the tree, she is, in fact, aware of exactly what's going to happen to Allie. They're going to destroy Allie. And if Allie wants to go down with that, that's fine. But because she loved her, genuinely loved her she tried to bargain for her not to go through with the actions like okay you don't want to be with me that's fine I can take that but if you go up against the ushers you're not going to win and you're so right about that NDA some of you people don't know that that the NDA does not cover illegal activity but movies are always saying it because they know people don't read the law <laughs> And that's what I mean by sometimes entertainment like it is it, it's what it needs to be for the story it needs to create but it is fiction it's not based on real shit they make it up and so yeah her pushing back with reality of I don't care how fucking thick she made that NDA does not cover illegal activity what you did is criminal. If I continue to do surgery on someone who hasn't been vetted, you haven't vetted the whole problem. You get the fuck out of here. But the bigger threat I think in Victorine's mind is that no, they you're going to you're they're going to destroy you and you're there's not going to be much of you left after that and how do I get that not to be the ultimate conclusion? And now when I say destroy, I mean Madeline threatened to eliminate Her own gene pool (laughs) for betrayal. What do you think is gonna? All of a sudden, Allie's gonna have an accident. Is what's gonna happen to Allie? Oh, we didn't talk about the postponement of the trial. I don't. That's the one thing about Dupont. I was like, dude, just shut up, shut up. The man lost three children in a week. There's no fucking DA in the world. No government in the world. That's just gonna be like, oh yeah, let's keep pressing with all that. the the trial I understand you're standing for the victims and you're trying to do the right thing but you also sometimes be picking the right wrong moments to 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 stand on your pedestal and that is gonna conclude the episode I don't think I have much to add other than I enjoyed hearing your feedback and yes I did enjoy my trip and hopefully you listen to the Jones Chronicles so that you can lap up all of the jelly if you want to send feedback, black to gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment below. Like, share, subscribe, until the next time. Peace, hair grease, and black magic.